Welcome to an audio newspaper full of very unserious, partially real stories that the world needs to hear. More listening and less reading than a newspaper, but equally as sexy. This is Paper News Out Loud. Hello and good evening. I'm your host, Diane Weathersby. Hello and good morning. I'm your co-host, Florence Strumsby. Thank you for listening to Paper News Out Loud. I thought we could start the show by telling the people what our favorite colors are. Not that they asked, but I think science did, and that's all that matters. So, science, my favorite color is burgundy. And, Diane, why is that your favorite color? Because... Is it because it's the color of blood? The color of your enemy's blood? The color blood? of blood spilt upon a purple duvet. <laughs> I don't really know what that poetic. is. It just sounded really good. Didn't it? Yeah, poetic. Awesome. A duv- duvet is a couch. A duvet. Okay, cool. No. It's like a blanket. <laughs> a blanket you put on a couch. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, Florence, your favorite color. Come on, science is waiting. See, okay, this is a hard one for me because oh I like God. a lot of colors. <laughs> I like yellow and I'm There's really like five colors. Like teal and orange. And I've re- also really been into pink for like my entire life. That's true. Mm-hmm. But I also primarily wear black. So I'm not really sure what my favorite color is. Okay. Science is frustrated and we're going to move on. What are two of the scariest things in the entire world? Death. No, that's too serious. That was one thing, too. <laughs> Clouds. Okay. Bugs. Okay, you're 100% um, wrong. No, I changed my mind. It's um running up the stairs from the basement after you turn the light off. <laughs> that's so true. Okay, well, the real answer is deadly high mountains and ghost stories. Aw, oh, dang, I'll get them next time. So close. <laughs> so close. Okay, so in honor of my recent trip to visit Diane in the great mountainous mountainous region that she now roams, I thought it would be really fun to scare the pants off of everyone with some really spooky mountaineering mountaineering ghost stories. Who's ready? I'm not. Okay. Me neither. (laughs) So there's no mystery behind the fact that climbing our world's tallest mountains, like Mount Rutgers, Mount Rushmore, like Mount Rushmore, <laughs> Good like try. Mount Everest. They're the same like thing, Mount- basically, just different faces. Like Mount Everest and K two, <laughs> which um, K two is the second tallest mountain after Everest and is located in Kashmir. Um, I did not know this, and K two is a really lame name for a mountain. Probably like shortened for something. Maybe I it stands find for something. Yeah. Anyway, so all this mountain climbing business is a pretty deadly pastime. So let's get hit with the facts before we dive into the ghost stories. So 220 people have died attempting to climb Mount Everest alone. So that's one mountain. One mountain, 220 people have died on it. Okay, but like in the history of forever, that's like maybe two people a year. That's one mountain. (laughs) (laughs) So um, there are a lot of mountains out there in the world. So 220 people have died on Mount Everest. How many people have died on K2? We don't know. I didn't look it up. But that's not important. Okay. <laughs> Those lives are less important than the lives lost on Mount Everest to Florence. So because of the mountain environment, it's often difficult to retrieve the bodies, mm-hmm. um, meaning that beneath the snow, there is essentially a frozen cemetery of fallen climbers. Their bodies just stay up there. A mm-hmm. lot of them are never retrieved. Um, Even more horrifically, sometimes the bodies aren't buried in the snow completely, and other climbers have to step over them on their treks up the mountain. 
Yup. There is a ridge of Mount Everest called um, Rainbow Valley because of all the brightly covered hiking gear worn by fallen hikers um, whose bodies were left on the trail. And you can see that hiking gear through the snow. So actually, um, bodies, dead bodies, are also used as trail markers because they get preserved up there and they're frozen. So that's a lot of fun. So it's kind of like, like rock cairns that mark trails, only these trail markers, the dead bodies, used to be alive and they had families that loved them, unlike the rock cairns. That's just really terrifying. Isn't it weird? It's like, yeah, you need to go left at the guy in the yellow coat. Cool. Awesome. Fantastic. Terrifying. Just really, it's like gruesome. It's like a really gruesome thing. Yeah. But I guess that's part of the culture. I don't know. We're not part of that culture. I couldn't do it. I can barely live 8,000 feet up and be able to hold, like, breathe still. It's a rough time. (laughs) Now that you're scared by facts, let's get scared by some ghost stories. So, mountaineers Dougal Haston and Doug Scott were climbing Everest in 1975. They sensed a third climber with them in their snow hole, which is a hole dug in the snow. Interesting. Based on context clues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, As they were foodless and low in oxygen, so it was kind of like a rough part of their climb. The presence (laughs) talked to them through the ordeal and provided them comfort. Um, So, I have something to say about near-death experiences. I've read something before that people hallucinate during these times and that it can be caused by a lack of oxygen. Uh, your brain just starts, like, making things up. Like, um, if you're in a sensory deprivation tank or whatever, it's just mm-hmm. your brain going buck wild and not an actual transcendent experience. Not to, like, shit on any parades. And it could be entirely wrong. Like, I have no idea. Like, no one really knows unless you experience it and you'll never know. Whatever. Anyway. But there's some pretty cool studies on it. Yeah, the article actually talked about this, um, and the pheno- this phenomena, this particular one where you feel another presence with you, is called sensed presence effect, and is actually pretty common, like you said, when people are under a lot of physical and mental stress, like, especially paired with, like, low oxygen. Like when you have to run up the basement stairs after you turn the light <laughs> off, and you feel like yep. something's chasing you. Yeah, exactly. These two things are the exact same thing. <laughs> Great. So I've shared an experience here. Good. Um, another story pretty similar to this first one. Um, in a different event, Frank Smith, who attempted Everest in the 1930s, like, multiple times, like, this guy didn't quit, um, <laughs> encountered two ghostly presents on his climb. So the first one he described as being, like, incredibly benign and, like, friendly and so real to him that he actually offered it some of his food. Like, it was that real. Um, but then later up the hike, he ran into some, like, creepy hovering spirits that he described as having wings and long beaks. He described them as being possessed by some horrible quality of life. So just really <laughs> spooky stuff. So that was me, actually. <laughs> I don't talk about it much because it sounds super douchey, but my friends and I, not you, Florence, sorry, but we hold That's a okay. bird appreciation event at Everest um, where we all don wings and beaks in an attempt to become more like the birds we are so fond of. It's actually really nice. You should come sometime. I've sent you evites, and the food is better than you'd think it'd be. And you and your long beak. <laughs> your long, ugly, haunting beak. My big pecker. <laughs> <laughs> I will take that out. <laughs> so these two stories are kind of easy to explain because of the sense-present effect. Um, people under this kind of stress start to sense a presence around them, and there's science to back that up. So, Florence, do you sense a presence all the time since you were under stress constantly? Stress makes diamonds, Diane. (laughs) (laughs) But, but Florence, you are not cool. 
Okay, anyway. <laughs> See, I can so use science, too. Okay, I'm ready. So some stories are... I have to make muffins. <laughs> um, some stories aren't quite as easy for us to understand. For example... Okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say her last name wrong, and I just want to apologize because she was a great woman in history. We need to hire Ma- someone that can just like teach us linguistics so we know how to read know, names. Right? It's ridiculous. Awkwardly, I did go to school with a linguistics minor, and here we are. Well, we're screwed. <laughs> so anyway, um, Wanda Rutkiewicz. Wanda Rutkiewicz was one of the first women to climb K twelve. Um, K two. <laughs> <laughs> K-12 is education. So thanks. <laughs> so Ra- Wanda Rutkiewicz, um, who was one of the first women to climb K-2, died in a climbing accident in 1992. Um, sometime after her death, Rutkiewicz's friend Iwa was woken up in the middle of the night by a phone call. When she answered, she heard Wanda's voice. After Iwa asked where Wanda was, you know, like, why did she leave her? The typical stuff you hear or ask a fallen friend. The voice responded, I am cold. I am very cold, but don't cry. Everything will be fine. Holy shit. I want that on my gravestone. No, I want my gravestone to be blank. But when you walk by it, there's a motion sensor and a projector. So a holographic form of me rises out of the ground like a spirit and says that exact phrase while looking at the person dead in the eyes. That's what I want my legacy to be. You are literally like a living nightmare. (laughs) And that'll be a dead nightmare. You're welcome. Okay, this next one I find really spooky. So um, another female hiker, Julie Tullis, um, had successfully summited K2, but during her descent, she suffered a bad fall, severe frostbite, and was showing signs of high-altitude cerebral edemia. Oh, which is a disease that I'll touch on later. Ooh, fun. Um, she died. <laughs> she died at a camp um, with several of her climbing comrades. So multiple people had died on this trip and her body was left behind. Many years later, two members of an American Russian climbing team were resting at base camp, you know, just straight up chilling, doing what? I don't know. Um, when a voice came on. <laughs> <laughs> when a voice came on over the radio um, and it said, Camp. Camp four to base camp, do you read? The men knew that no one was on the mountain at that time, and the voice belonged to a British woman. Perhaps it was the ghost of Julie Tellis trying to call for help one last time. Okay. That one literally gives me goosebumps, like, thinking about it. All of these I want to be true, but especially this one. So, like, side story. We have radios where I work, and I think someone in the daycare accidentally pressed the talk button while they were with children so we were just sitting there like eating in the dining hall and we heard like children's laughter through all of our radios so now with this story i'm wondering if our radios were actually taken over by the spirits of some very unfortunate children who died in the past here where i work Uh Uh terrifying so there is an excellent explanation um, for some of these ghostly sightings. Being at a high altitude can be difficult on the human mind and body. Don't I <laughs> know it? <laughs> like, and that's just regular walking. <laughs> Gets me every time. Um, the freezing temperatures, sleep deprivation, snow blindness, and lack of oxygen can lead to altitude sickness mm-hmm. and um, high altitude cerebral edema, as I described earlier. Um, that second fun mountain disease is where the brain swells. 
um, which has even more fun side effects like hampered mental function and hallucination. Cool. I know, right? That's so fun. Well, Mount Everest is like 29,000 feet up, Mm -hmm. which is ridiculous. I don't know how anyone can do that ever. Like, don't they have to bring oxygen with them? Like, they bring, so. like carry oxygen. I don't know how you can carry that much. I carry a backpack with me on a three-hour hike, and I just want to fall over and sleep on the ground. <laughs> That's enough of that. <laughs> so, whether or not you believe in ghosts, you have to admit something spooky is going on on the world's tallest mountains. Um, Diane, as a mountain person with your mountain roaming, have you ever encountered any ghosts? Yeah, uh, we actually, so glad you brought this up, we actually teach a class to the young, impressionable children that I encounter daily called Ghost Ecology. Basically, it's the study of how ghosts interact with the nature around them. We take them out from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m., which are peak witching hours, and then have them look for signs of ghosts. So we give them a checklist. It's kind of like a scavenger hunt. And then we walk them out into Rocky Mountain National Park, have them close their eyes, and then the instructors hide in the trees and let the students create their own learning. There's some panic screaming and running around with wild abandon at first, but once they calm down, they can usually spot signs of ghosts. It's really cool to see them learning like this. Um, So what are some signs of ghosts? Thank you. I'm glad you asked. One thing the kids have reported experiencing right before being taunted by a ghostie is a feeling of being watched. That could just be the instructors in the trees. Not really sure, but either way, they feel like they're being watched. Another sign is unexplained vomit on trees. The animals in the woods don't really vomit very often, and not nearly at the volume that the kids discover on the trees, like buckets and buckets of tree vomit. It's ridiculous. Um, Experiencing the feeling of dread, like something is about to jump out and grab you, is another sure sign that you have a ghost in your midst. Something jumping out and grabbing you also alerts you to the presence of a spirit. A few other signs are elk antlers just flying through the air unattached from the elk they grew from off of, the howls from the souls of the eternally damned, and happy birthday balloons when it's nobody's birthday. Dun dun dun. Once the kids have found signs of ghosts and are fairly certain they are standing in haunted wood, we give them tools to summon the ghosts. They must offer up something they own, such as their water bottle, that's usually one of their possessions they have on them at the time, an unspoken prayer to a god of their choice or the universe, and a cherished childhood memory that they can never get back. The first student to summon a ghost receives a sticker with an owl on it. It's a pretty cool prize. They get excited. Kids love stickers. After each student summons a ghost, we play a large game of tag. It's really cool because the ghosts are mostly super chill and help the students with flying. Like, it's, it's so cool to see the joy and relief on their faces. Um, after that, the students then interview the ghosts and ask them how they spend their time. Unfortunately, the ghosts don't censor themselves because apparently you stop caring about what children think of you after you die. Um, they don't censor themselves at all. So some students get, like, really graphic descriptions of murder. But most of the time, this is good, the ghosts talk about galloping with the wildlife and then chilling at the edge of the atmosphere, because you can do that when you don't need air. Uh, They also like to scare tourists who litter in the national park, but don't we all like to stick it to those people? Can you blame them? Uh And then after we wrap that up, we say goodbye to our new ghostly friends and head home. We usually only have one or two cases of possession in each class. Um, The most I've ever seen is like 10, and that was like 
over half the class. It's like 60% of the class. But that's a really cool, like, unique learning opportunity because the students get to perform and witness, like, an actual exorcism. It's so cool. Um, So overall, like, for the class, our survival rate is, like, 85%, which is 10% higher, actually, than our elk ecology class. Um, I don't want to get into it right now, but ghosts are much easier to befriend than elk. What's really important is the friendships we make along the way. Isn't that right, Florence? That is so right, Diane. And you know, what happens if you encounter the ghost of an elk? Or is that a different conversation oh, you entirely? Run. You can you just run. That's not something you mess with. A ghost elk? Mm-mm. That's where the fifteen percent of the like the that fifteen percent of the class that don't make it are usually killed by ghosts. Yeah, elk. they they usually only ride in the night sky, um, from like March twenty third to April tenth. So it's kind of like it's a window we just avoid doing ghost ecology, but if a school really requests it, there's not a lot we can do. We take the kids out. Way to educate the young. Thank you. The youngins. I'm doing doing great work out here. Anyway, you've heard of the sun, right, Florence? Florence, have you heard of the sun? I'm, I really need you to well, answer this. Can you confirm? I Okay, I live in an underground um, cavern, so I've never actually seen the sun, but I know it exists. You've heard of it. Okay, cool. I've heard of it. Well, then you know how important it is for sustaining life on Earth. Not necessarily your life, but other life. Did you know... There are other ways to use the sun that 97% of the population hasn't even heard of. Today, I'll be bringing you some life hacks in the form of sun hacks to make sure you are using the sun to its fullest potential. I am ready to take note. Florence, do you ever get cold? Only every single day of my life. Okay, so sometimes. So when you're cold, (laughs) you can... Crawl your way out of your underground bunker, stare directly into the sun for a full five minutes unblinking. So this charges up your sun receptors and will provide you with warmth from the inside for up to five hours. If you have trouble keeping your eyes open for that long, I know I sure did. My eyelids were so weak when I first started doing this. Um, You can consider using tape or glue to keep your lids away from your eyes. You will know that this is working when your vision has gone completely black and you feel full of everlasting warmth. This feature can be activated once a day. It's like a Skyrim thing. Like, you can use this shout once a day. Exactly. People don't realize we're in a simulation and we're actually in a video game. Anyway, did you know... This is like a cool trivia quiz thing that I have going on. Did you know that the sun is actually a giant ball of gas and the light that reaches us is energy? Wait, it's not a conspiracy? It's not this time. Holy Moses, first time on this show ever, guys. Real science. (laughs) Actual science. This energy that comes from this giant burning ball of gas can be harnessed and used to power things. You can't run out of sunlight like you can other sources of power, like, say, I don't know, natural gas and petroleum and things like that. The hamsters that have been keeping my fridge going informed me of this earlier this week. They insist that hamster power is unsustainable. I don't know who would have thought that. And that I would be better off looking into solar power. So I'm not sure that I'm convinced, but this might be something I look into soon. The hamsters went on a strike. Honestly, rightfully so. And all my yogurt spoiled. I was devastated. So this feature of using the sun for solar power can be activated whenever the sun is shining down from above. 
Well, that's real amazing. Isn't it cool? Like, real amazing. And most people don't use it or know that. Blows my mind. So, the sun does all these wonderful things for you, but what do you do for it? Another trivia question, Florence. You need to start worshipping the sun. Offer up sacrifices by shooting them straight into the sun from your own backyard. Things the sun enjoys. Positive vibes. Unpaid bills. Hand-drawn pictures of dogs. And driftwood found in rivers. If you send up an offering from a huge cannon in your backyard every day for 17 days, you will receive a random gift. Have you ever played Harvest Moon? More Friends of Mineral Town. Yes. I'm familiar with this. Did you give flowers to the Harvest Goddess every day? Every damn day. And she would give you gifts. Mm-hmm. Yes. See, that was the game developers trying to give us a hint that we need to do this with our own son in real life. So some of these gifts that the son will give you are tangible, like a wood carving of a bear or a goose. And other things are intangible and more difficult to notice, so you have to pay close attention. You might get every green light on the way to work or have sparkling conversation with your coworkers. Maybe you just have more positive thoughts permanently. Whatever the gift, make sure to acknowledge and appreciate it. Use this feature at least once a day for maximum benefits. Nice. So um, a lot of people don't know this either, but the sun has emotions and sometimes it gets sad because no one thinks they can look at it directly. The only object in the universe with enough willpower to look directly at the sun for any extended amount of time is other suns and stars. Unfortunately for the sun, but fortunately for us, other because suns and stars... Because we would be dead and shriveled. Because we would be dead. And most definitely raisins. Other suns and stars are too far away to gaze at our sun properly. To help our sun feel better about his predicament, set up giant mirrors in your yard or an old abandoned field and point them at the sun so the sun is reflected back on itself. This will help the sun with its self-esteem and remind it how beautiful it is. You might be thinking, hey, Diane, what do I get out of this? Not everything is about you. (laughs) Sometimes you just have to do something nice for others because it's the right thing to do. Just don't be a dick, Lisa. (laughs) Lisa, get the mirrors. Point the mirrors, Lisa. My goodness. The next sun hack that I'm going to deliver to you is that you need to lie completely naked, that means in the nude, in your yard until under the heat of the afternoon sun. This is the best time to receive mana from the sun. Mana can be traded in for sporting goods at your local sporting goods store. Every hour you log naked in the heat of the afternoon sun grants you plus five mana. Mana expires after 30 days, so use it or lose it, dudes. Personally, I'm saving up for a kayak. I have a question. I would love to answer your question. How, okay, so you absorb the mana Mm -hmm. through your naked body. Yes. How do you, um, like, deposit it at the sporting goods store? Right, so you have... poop? No, it's actually not fecal, which I know that's a lot of people's first instinct, and... Actually, I was kind of sponsored by Dick's Sporting Goods to come on here and to tell people to stop pooping in their stores. It's not <laughs> how you give them mana. <laughs> so what you actually have to do is um, put on a full body snowsuit and cover your, cover your face, everything. And then you walk into the store and you just kind of like shake around a little bit like you shimmy. And then the mm-hmm. mana kind of flies out of you and then the employees will collect it as payment. Easy peasy. Yeah. It does take a part of your soul to do this, but, I mean, what are souls for anyway? 
Lastly, worth it for the discount. <laughs> precisely. Lastly, drink lots of water while thinking about the sun. You will be surprised at how much better you feel. Those were some great sun tip di- tips, Diane. Just in time for summertime. Thank you. I was doing my um, afternoon mana collecting session, and um, I was very intensely warm. And I just, I just, the sun spoke to me and told me all the rest of these tips, which is really inspired. Cool. Truly inspired. Truly. Today, I was walking through a cemetery when an apparition appeared in my path in the form of a translucent crow. The crow opened its beak and said, Dear Florence and Diane, I am a ghost. There's no point beating around the bush here, but the kicker is I am terrified of other ghosts. How do I keep those creepy ghosties away from me? I can't receive mail or listen to your podcast because I am dead. So please leave your response carved into the trunk of the tree near where I am buried. Sincerely, ghost not want not. No worries, you ghostly spirit. We've got you covered. Just to be safe, we reached out to WikiHow to help us help you. So step number one, learn about the paranormal. Education is the best way to improve your chances against ghosts. While it's important to learn about ghosts, I would recommend first learning about chess. Frequently, ghosts challenge entities to seemingly endless chess matches, which either drives the creature to insanity or victory. Spend a minimum 10 years in a mountain with a guru honing your chess skills to guarantee that you'll be an adequate opponent if the situation ever arises. Now you're safe to learn about the paranormal. You'll want to do this in the middle of the day in a brightly lit Walmart parking lot so you don't get spooked. While you're learning, surround your person with a circle of salt to protect you from any wandering spirits who might take advantage of you while you're learning. You want to focus on the most common locations of ghost sightings and what people have done in the past to summon spirits and then avoid those at all costs. In fact, do the opposite. That way you'll be truly safe. So step number two, don't get paranoid. Ghosts feed on that lingering feeling of terror and it makes them smarter, stronger, faster, and better hunters. Try to think of logical explanations for why paranormal things are happening around you. Let's practice. You see that pesky talking doll that belonged to your great great aunt floating across the room with its glass eyes glowing a deep blood red? I do, I see it right your, now. <laughs> your gut instinct is to think that the demonic spirit of great great aunt Betty is coming to kill you for the shame you bring on your family. Florence, I bring so much shame. So it, it seems pretty logical. Yeah. That, my friend, is just paranoia getting the best of you. More realistically, is probably just the way the sunlight is casting a shadow on the doll. But just to be safe, burn that doll. Bury the ashes I far away from you. I do love campfires. <laughs> okay. Next, it's important to avoid locations that carry great psychological and emotional tension. Quick question. Um, what if yeah. all locations carry great psychological and emotional tension for me? No place is safe and you have no place left to hide. <laughs> so much like any problem um, in your life, it's best to just full out avoid these locations. Excellent. As you learned in your um, intense paranormal studies, ghosts tend to haunt places where they lived or died. Um, this means like all those <laughs> so everywhere <laughs> anyway go on so, some example locations include you know abandoned hospitals okay. underground tunnels and prisons or closed down hotels so these are really good places to avoid 
but that means that you'll also have to avoid all those alluring underground EDM concerts or that very sexually confusing pure romance party that is being held in an abandoned hospital. <laughs> Instead, try to spend your time in places of happy memories like sunny parks or McDonald's play places. But what about the ghosts of all the children that died in McDonald's play places? <laughs> Avoid the ball pit. That's where they all That's passed. true. <laughs> Drowning in balls. <laughs> How I want to go. <laughs> Florence, you dirty I mean, birdie. <laughs> anyway, next up is um, try to keep good company. <laughs> I would recommend... So not Diane. Not me. I... <laughs> I would recommend putting out a Craigslist ad for a ghost hunter to be your personal bodyguard. Sure, you have friends, you have loved ones who would do anything for you, but they... Why do you assume that? But they don't know anything about fighting ghosts because they are weak-minded mortals. A good ghost hunting bodyguard will most likely have terrifying body alterations, like their mouths being sewn shut. These things are common side effects from facing off with numerous ghosts. What you'll want to make sure you avoid are popular ghost hunting television stars. These folks are crooks and are more likely to lead you to a dangerous paranormal situation instead of protect you from one. They will do anything for ratings. They would. Have you seen their shows? No. But I assume that they would. Capitalism. Okay, lastly, um, know the proper way to address a ghost if you encounter one. Let's say none of your precautions work and you find yourself face-to-face with a ghostie. There are two main methods of addressing a ghost, asking or cursing. If you take the asking route, you will ask the ghost what it wants. Then ask the ghost how it, how is it stay going? Did it, it get a chance to get out there and enjoy that beautiful weather? What did the ghost have for lunch today? How's its mom doing? Is everything all good in the hood? And so on and so forth. Friendly ghosts respond very well to being asked about their personal lives and are more likely to respond positively. And who knows, you may make a fast friend. Alternatively, if you feel like the ghost is a mean spirit who wants to bully you or make your life difficult, start cursing aggressively at them. That's how I handle most people. (laughs) That's right. You're going to want to use every curse in the book to get those little guys to scuttle off in the other direction scared. Here are some of my favorite. Be gone from this place, you oily, guzzling turd wagon. Leave me be, for you are nothing more than an unshaved, odorous armpit of this place, and no one would go to prom with you. Suck my fudge-covered nuts, you bulging (laughs) demon. (laughs) You look more like Satan's grundle than his right-hand minion. And lastly, I've seen better white sheets than you. Can I try one? These insults will... What? Can I try one? Yeah. You obnoxious troll liquor. You... That was a good one. Ogre lover. Okay. <laughs> you bard with no talent. These are all related to D&D. <laughs> I have screamed. I have made farts better than your music, you horrible bard. I think you just have a vendetta against bards. No, my last character was a bard and I loved him. That's not what those insults say. They just have a bad rap. (laughs) I get it. That was a pun. (laughs) A bad rap. Bards. Anyway. Rapping is a type of music. Florence, can you please start talking again? Okay. If you follow these suggestions, you'll be able to avoid paranormal creatures. And if you 
ever happen to encounter one, you'll know exactly how to take care of business and get out of there safely. But honestly, ghosty, I would recommend that you maybe try becoming more connected to your ghost culture. You might find that your people are actually quite enjoyable, and you may even make some friends, so give that a whirl. Anyway, Diane, can you take us into the motivation station? Chugga chugga choo choo. So music is a music of life, and really makes this thing worth a living. Unfortunately, most people are music deprived. Even you, right now, listening to this podcast instead of Elton John or Bon Iver. You are all mal-music nourished. Someone probably once said that you should dance to the beat of your own drum, but my mother always said that if you can't make your own music, store-bought is fine, and to dance to whatever the hell I wanted. Florence, how do you make sure you are getting your daily recommended amount of solid jams? Okay, so music is something very meaningful for me, but I struggle to get my daily dose of music since I'm not allowed to play it at work, which, as you know, my job is an all-consuming black hole that sucks up all my free time and happiness. So I have to take a musical supplement in the morning to make sure that I'm on track with my daily intake. The supplement is made out of ground-up CDs, cassette tapes, and vinyl records, and an easy-to-swallow gelatin capsule. Well, the mixture wreaks, just like wreaks havoc on my digestive tract. It's a surefire way to make sure that I'm getting the music that my body needs. After taking the supplement, I hear a quiet loop of music in my head all day long. Well, I don't get to choose a song I listen to. It's a great way to learn new songs. What a good solution. Supplements, anything over the counter. Just big farm pushing more drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, they showed up at my door and shoved them right in my ear. (laughs) Terrific. But it helped. I feel great. Anyway. Can't hear anything. Can't hear anything. So, not only do I struggle with fitting music into my life, but I also struggle fitting in a good fitness program. My recent health, mental and physical, initiative has been to carry an entire DJ booth, including the DJ, with me wherever I go. I strap the equipment, including the DJ, to my back and carry out my daily tasks. The jams and beats are constantly bumping in my ear. A surprise benefit is that I can't hear anyone when they try to talk to me. I couldn't hear Florence this entire time. I'm perfectly protected by a wall of sound, and I know every song in existence. I'm really fun at parties, and my calves, hoo boy, they look like they're literally going to explode. The peace I experience can only be compared to ice cream sandwiches. Our challenge for you this week is to get out there and get some tunes. Try listening to every song ever created all at once so you aren't missing out on anything. Please report back to us on your progress. A mountain goat plodded down the side of a mountain and began eating my lawn. In that lawn, it ate the design of a giant hand giving me the middle finger. That's a telltale sign that the podcast is coming to an end. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to what we had to say. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Paper News Out Loud for more great episodes. If you like what you heard a lot, leave us a review on iTunes saying what you liked. Please include a picture of the ghost that you try to pretend doesn't actually haunt you. If you're in love with what you heard, purchase some stars, name those stars after us, and a podcast. Work in an observatory. Tell everyone about those stars. 
please rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I want to thank the sunshine on my shoulders for making me happy. I also want to thank Jake Harrison for allowing us to use his track titled 5 off of his album found on SoundCloud. Thanks, Jake. You can find this music through the link or by searching at this and also on Spotify. And if you don't have some free time this week, send us that community art. Um, you can submit short poems or visual art to us through email at alternaterealityproductions at gmail.com. We love getting them emails, son. Tweet us at realityoutloud. Use the hashtag thinkweirderthoughts and then actually begin to think weird thoughts. Share with your friends. We hope you learned a thing and made a laugh. Hey, Diane, ecology question. Hey, Florence, I'd love to answer your ecology question. <laughs> Is it in reference to elk, trees, or ghosties? How may I direct your call? Okay, I'm going to pause it then. (laughs)